welcome to the F1 Strategy Report for Apex Race Manager, the mobile strategy game. On today's episode, the Australian Grand Prix, Ferrari actually makes a correct decision. And who likes Pirelli's tyres anyway? That's all to come on this edition of the Strategy Report. My name's Michael Laminato, and joining me is a, a friend of the program now, been on at least once before, a friend of mine, a friend of a program called Box of Neutrals. His name is Rob James. How are you? And hopefully I'm a friend of you all, or you <laughs> listening personally. I may or may not be, but let's find out. Yeah, I just keep everyone's <laughs> minds keep open. That's, what, that's what's important in Formula 1 in 2017. We need to have an open mind to what happens. <laughs> yes. Round 1 is over. We've finally gotten through Formula 1. It's, it's happened. It's all done. For a while, we didn't know what, how it was going to go down. We didn't really understand what was going on in Formula 1. But we do now know that actually there will be some racing this year, which is pretty exciting. Uh, it's only two teams, but nonetheless, it's good to have two manufacturers battling one another. No, exactly right. I mean, it, it, the first round of any form of motor racing is always unusual. The the, the Albert Park circuit and the Australian Grand Prix always throws up a weird result, uh, invariably, particularly for local homeboy, Dan Ricardo. I'm sure mm. we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, very encouraging for the first half of the season. I mean, in winter testing, there was always the talk how quick a Ferrari actually going to be, and there was talk of Ferrari even sandbagging all the way <laughs> through qualifying even. Well, I had a had a sneaky message from a friend of mine in the grandstand saying, mm. Vettel just lifted in the middle of the front straight, um, mm. so he could, and he still qualified fourth or something yeah. uh, like that up until uh, his second place at the end of Q3, but um, yeah, very encouraging sign that it's not going to be all Mercedes way so far, so we don't have a dominant force as of yet, mm-hmm. and with the different tracks that we'll visit throughout the season, uh, who's going to feature well at some of the high-speed cornering tracks, some of the slower tracks, uh, well, I guess we'll find out as the year goes on. So there's no sort of... Uh, at, at least Lewis Hamilton didn't romp home away with the victory. <laughs> yeah, I do like... Ferrari's been sandbagging so much. They didn't get pole in the end, even though they seemed to think that they would, judging by the fact they were sandbagging in Q2. But if there were any team to sandbag accidentally in Q3, it would be Ferrari, let's be honest. They, for all we know, they could. They could take every other pole for the rest of the season had they just been like, oh, no one's going to notice if we just left off the throttle here. Yeah. Uh, well, to be honest... Uh, the, the team that I was hoping would sandbag the most would be McLaren. But <laughs> <laughs> well, there's too that's much not, sand in the engine. I think that was the problem by that point. It's not even sandbags. That's just that's just lead <laughs> they were carrying, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, if they were sandbagging. So let's have a look at what our expectations were coming into this race. It was that there'd be a three-way battle between Ferrari and Red Bull Racing, mm. which wasn't exactly correct. We'll talk oh. very briefly about Red Bull Racing because... We all thought in this new regulatory era, Adrian Newey would be the man to star. He's the Red Bull chief technical officer. And yet the car didn't really deliver. In fact, it was as much as 1.3 seconds slower in qualifying. I mean, it's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of winter testing, we all expected the likes of Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull to be fighting with each other. In terms of what order that was going to be, we didn't quite know there mm-hmm. then. We do now a little bit more. <laughs> and in fact, Red Bull, you might almost argue are a little bit further away from that top two and probably a little bit closer to the likes yeah. of Williams and Force India, which is a remarkable uh, thing to say. Yeah, it's really, it is surprising and it is one of those things this season where it seems like we've got some really distinct chunks of cars. We've got the front runners, which as far as we know from Australia comprise Mercedes and Ferrari. Then we've got all these cars in the midfield, I guess kind of Red Bull, uh, Williams, Renault even, Force India and Haas. And then we have 
The ones at the back, which are, yeah. of course, Sauber and McLaren, and especially McLaren by the looks of things. Yeah. And we might touch on Fernando Alonso a little bit later. But in the terms of the qualifying battle, there really only were two protagonists. It was really Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel. And even then, Lewis Hamilton pulled. And I know, I guess it's because last year was such a whitewash. We're like three tenths of a second. That's right down to the wire. When really, you know, he seemed pretty confident, did Lewis? No, exactly right. And just watching the onboard lap of qualifying, it was. Very impressive. I mean, uh, you, mm, look, yes. you look back, I, I think I've seen that lap of Michael Schumacher's from 2004 a billion and one times. Mm-hmm. And you watch it and you go, wow, that was breathtaking. And then Lewis Hamilton, it's, it's hyperspeed in comparison. Mm-hmm. He turned 11. He's going down one gear. <laughs> 310 <laughs> k's an hour before the braking zone. It's incredible. Touches the brakes, bing, down, yeah. one, down to seventh, just left, right. No problem. It's 1.5 seconds he smashed that record by the yeah. Schumacher all-time, well, unofficial, you have to call it, because it wasn't set in a race. No. Uh, briefly, we may as well say, now we've had the chance to see these cars on track and competitively, not just in testing, mm. what was your take on the new cars? Uh, th- there are only three times where my jaw has dropped. The first was uh, upon seeing racing cars. The first was, <laughs> was, a 2000, was my first ever Grand Prix in mm-hmm. 2005. The opening, I remember, turn six, Physicella coming out of turn five into turn six and that Renault just howling. And then 16 or 18, whatever cars back in 05 was, just mm-hmm. I had no earplugs on. Cause I was oh, like, I have to hear this. Yeah, yes, yes. And I was just, wow. That's when I really got the bug of Formula One. Mm-hmm. Second time was when I heard an Audi Quattro Group B rally car. <laughs> and uh, seeing Lewis Hamilton at turn 11. Mm-hmm. In a 2017 Formula One car, I, I saw the cars go past. I go, oh yeah, they're pretty quick. And then Hamilton on an absolute flyer, and I went, oh, no way. And I'm not e- yeah. easily impressed, but I <laughs> my jaw literally dropped as to how quick they were going through turn 11. It was it was amazing. I I, I think Formula One has indeed delivered in terms of, mm-hmm. but. It has delivered and it hasn't because everyone, the lead-up was, oh, the car's going to be five seconds faster. Mm-hmm. It's only really one and a bit seconds faster yeah. than what Sebastian Vettel set in mm-hmm. 2012. Yeah, no, in 2011, he set the, was that the race record? No, that was the unofficial lap record, I beg your pardon. Yeah. He smashed that by one and a half seconds at Lewis yeah. Hamilton. It was Schumacher's 2004 For, race was, lap well, record that wasn't actually broken at the end of the day. We all no. thought it was going to be the yeah. Grand Prix people all said was definitely going to happen. And in fact, I think it was... Two seconds off, so it is. They yeah. are definitely faster. There's no question about that. But I guess you counteract that with the fact the cars are heavier than they've ever been before. We yeah. don't have refueling in this era, so the yeah, cars are, are also heavier on top yes. of that. But undoubtedly, these are, are probably the quickest F1 machines mm. in history. I think it's fair to when say when they're on a light fuel load. Yeah, in very specific <laughs> circumstances, they're extremely quick, yeah. uh, which is enough for us. But yeah, you say in terms of expectations of what these regulations are going to deliver, they have. And they haven't. And what we saw, and I, I went back and looked at the times, after three laps, there were only two cars that could be within one second of another car. After five laps, there weren't any cars within one second of another car because following seems extremely difficult in modern Formula 1. That's something that really is influencing or not strategy these days. It is an ongoing saga. And of course, now with the new owners of, of Formula 1 and Liberty mm-hmm. Media, they're very much looking at that entertainment aspect. And part of that boils down to, I guess, some of the technical and sporting elements yeah. too. So you look at DRS, you look at uh, pit stop strategy, tyre degradation. Um, uh, there's going to be a lot of you know tooling about and thinking, mm-hmm. well, how do we... If, Formula One has forever struggled 
with how do we make the show a lot better by because engineers will develop a card to be faster than anyone else's. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to be hard work working alongside engineers who just want to have the best car and faster than anybody else's, and then having regulations designed for the entertainment aspect. So mm. it's going to be a hard slog trying to find. I don't think there's a regulation that you can say, okay, this will guarantee overtaking. Mm-hmm. That's what the regulations in 09 were supposed to do. Mm. And we're back to square one a little bit again. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Lewis Hamilton said it's uh, more or less as hard as it's ever been for him to follow another car. And we'll talk a little bit moment about just how hard it was for him to get past another car that he probably should have been able to get past. Now, there are two influences we sort of talk about in Formula One strategy. One is becoming less and less, I think, and it's the power unit because for the last three years we've been talking about Mercedes having the best one and, and so on and so forth. And it doesn't seem like that's as big an issue this season. We know of, well, we know Honda's no good. We can put that to one side. Renault is still probably a little bit underpowered, but not so much that all we do is hear Red Bull complain about it. In <laughs> not fact, yet. Yeah, well, that's, that's exactly right. And Ferrari seems to be almost just about there. The only difference is maybe that this still extra special qualifying mode Mercedes has, which could contribute partly to that three-tenths of a second qualifying gap. But the other one is the tires. Now, we've got new tires this season. Uh, they're fatter tires. They're also new compounds. They're harder compounds. And already we're seeing one of the differences between Ferrari and Mercedes, the front runners, is tire usage. And it looks like Mercedes have gone a little bit back to the old days of maybe wearing them out a little bit too months, a little bit too much uh, at the expense of getting a good time out of qualifying. Yeah, and we saw that with the race very much come to the fore, where Hamilton boxed very early, mm, yeah. comparatively speaking, to everyone else. And then that was the move that sealed victory for, mm-hmm. for Vettel in the end in, in the pit stop. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've got a lot to learn with with, mm-hmm. with the new tyres. And I th- it's funny, like, you see some of the old cars, and, and it, like, now it looks quite normal. Mm. Uh, in terms it's, of these brand new, wider, fatter tires. Yeah. Now it's just sort of everyday sort of thing. It yeah. looks so normal so soon as well. It it's the first time no. the car came out, you're like, oh, that's what Formula One looks like, isn't it? That's yeah. what it's meant to look like. I was yeah. playing F1 2016 the other day. Look ridiculous. Uh, just Look, looks so strange. Looks like you're driving an F3 car. Yeah, it looks like you're driving in the wrong aspect ratio. Yeah, <laughs> but I think there'll be a lot of different stories that we'll learn from the different tracks as well. Mel- Melbourne is a very strange track mm-hmm. to begin with because, of course, it's a road course for, for the rest of um, the year. So it's it's not really indicative of what the tyres are really going to do, and it's quite you know gentle mm-hmm. to the tyres. It's going to be when we when we hit some of the serious tracks around the yeah. world when we'll really see some of I think Silverstone Grand Prix. That'll oh, be the one. That'll be, be the be real good. test for Pirelli. Think about Silverstone. Think about Spa. Think about Suzuka yes. for these new cars. Oh How yes, quick are they going to be through some of those sectors and and, and the G loads as well that they're experiencing now. Just up, to, up to about an extra G compa- mm-hmm. comparatively speaking over the last few years extra. We're seeing now, so and and whether the tyres can cope, that'll be an interesting saga. Mm-hmm. Now we talked about Lewis Hamilton having to pit quite early. He pitted even earlier than he expected to be. He pit on, on lap seventeen, I think it was, mm. uh, because he was being pursued by Sebastian Vettel. Now we talk about the cars being hard to follow, unless that is, of course, you have a, a good pace advantage over the car in front. And what we saw from Sebastian Vettel was that I don't think there was there were any points, maybe one or two points, where he was any more than two seconds behind Lewis Hamilton. So well in the dirty air yes. zone. And not only was he able to keep that up, mm. able to keep his tyres fresher, obviously, than Lewis mm. Hamilton, and continue to follow. Now, I don't know, I've been looking at the times today. Does that not suggest that maybe Ferrari is actually in race trim, maybe even a faster car than the Mercedes? Yeah, it's, it's a tantalising prospect, but it's well, the thing that really impresses me is that the the, the Ferrari pit wall were able to <laughs> deliver that result in the first yeah. place. Because to be honest, you know, Ferrari uh, hit and miss every so often mm-hmm. in terms of creating a good car. Even when they have a great car, the cock-ups on the pit wall... <laughs> 
put put an end to that. So yeah. um, it, it's the start that Ferrari very much needed at mm. this point in the season. I think last year Vettel had a great car to start yeah. off with, and 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 the team just let him down in the end, and and it set very much the tone for the rest of the year. Ferrari seemed to be a very much a confidence driven mm-hmm. team. Once they get a good run on the board, it just keeps going and going and going. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, I, I think this year there was a lot more humble and less brag by Ferrari, and it seems yeah. to be working well for them now. Yeah, it does, and it's also I was thinking today uh, they're not doing any media this year. They're saying almost nothing. Sergio Macchione hasn't said anything except through a, a press release on the night that they won the Grand Prix. And it's kind of like a cycle because we often say Ferrari looks pays too much attention to the media and they can't help themselves. Well, if they do no media, the media won't write about them. They won't read anything in the media. It's no. a brilliant strategy, I think. That's a, that's a bit of media strategy for you. But when Hamilton had to pit, uh, he got stuck behind Toro Rosso. Uh, not Toro Rosso. God, what year is it? Uh, last year. It's Max Verstappen's Red Bull Racing. Uh, and he was still on the ultra soft tyres that he started on. He was obviously slower, not only inherently, but the tyres were slower. And Lewis Hamilton, I guess, lost out there behind him. He couldn't maximise the pace of the new tyres, which enabled Sebastian Vettel to stop. A couple of laps later, come out in front of Verstappen, only just though, a little bit of maybe exciting racing there, and eventually go on to win the race. But the question, I think Toto Wolff was asked after the race, you know, did you gift this race to Ferrari? And he said, it's not Christmas, which is <laughs> correct, I suppose. But is this, uh, can we fairly say for the first time in three years that Mercedes lost this race or another team won this race on merit alone? Mm. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, it goes down, I mean, my point about Ferrari and the pit wall being able mm-hmm. to lose races, it's the same thing with Mercedes. They're not invincible either. Mm-hmm. And I think, well... Let's see how the rest of the season goes, because Paddy Lowe, of course, very much influential to the success, uh-huh. part of the success of Mercedes over the last few years. Now he's obviously gone to Williams, mm-hmm. and he's now got to manage the success of Felipe Massa and Lance Stroll. Very different set of combinations for Paddy now. <laughs> but for Mercedes, they've lost a very critical member of that brain trust on yeah. the pit wall. Yes, they have James Allison mm-hmm. on board, who's, a, who's an amazing so it, it, very much the modern age you knew it, but mm-hmm. you need someone to to work out that that can sort of fortune tell, yeah, the the race ahead, five, ten, twenty laps in advance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Mercedes lost lost out fair and square, but I think as well, Mercedes don't have are not two steps ahead of everybody else in terms yeah. of their car pace. So the battle, so Ferrari have indeed caught up. Mercedes have improved, mm-hmm. but they haven't romped away. So Ferrari have done a very good job. In, to catch up to where Mercedes have been for the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. What really struck me about the race was that, yeah, like you say, Mercedes isn't two steps ahead all the time. So even at points last year where, you know, Max Verstappen or Daniel Ricciardo or maybe a Ferrari earlier in the year were able to mix in with them, you know, inevitably they'd just fall back on the fact they had superior pace, superior time management, and they'd be able to think their way out of the problem. But this time around, you know, they had to pit early. This is the thing. People say that, well, Mercedes, why do they stop Lewis Hamilton so early? It must be a conspiracy. What do you think, Simon oh. Lazenby? And then it, it, that's not necessarily the case this season. It wasn't just a decision Mercedes took because. They took it because their car couldn't handle the tyre wear. Lewis Hamilton was chewing through tyres as well because he had what seems like a faster car behind him. They simply had no choice but to stop Lewis at that point. He got stuck behind Verstappen. So what we see is that the Mercedes car wasn't quick enough to navigate that Grand Prix on the day they weren't the better team. And I can't actually remember the last time I could say that. I'm sure it will chop a chase, right? Uh, probably come China, Mercedes will have a 30-second lead ahead of everybody else. Bottas, <laughs> sorry, Hamilton Bottas, one yep. and two, or two and one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then Ferrari will have another good race, and then Red Bull will sneak in somewhere. The fact that Red Bull were 
there was a lot of talk about Ricardo mm. and Verstappen being the mo- they are the most potent combination I of drivers so, out yeah. there on the grid. But obviously for Ricardo, the car let him down. Mm-hmm. For Verstappen, the car was it was okay. Yeah, it was hardly a banger. If you want to use a music analogy, <laughs> it was okay. It was hardly you know it was, it was hardly a classic. Now we do talk about. Uh, Ricardo and Verstappen being perhaps the the ultimate driving combination, at least at the moment in Formula One. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, the jury still is out, granted, on Valtteri Bottas. Mm. Now, there's little doubt about Lewis Hamilton's ability, at least when he's in the correct mindset. Yes. But Bottas this weekend, he was off the pace of Hamilton. In qualifying, he did improve. In the race, though, he was more or less thereabouts. He finished only a couple of seconds behind Hamilton, and that's because they really didn't have anywhere to go. They just turned their engines down and cruised along behind Vettel. Mm. I mean, this could potentially be uh, another excellent driver combination. We could see yeah. two essential, a triple world champion and a, a world champion in waiting competing against one another. Well, it, if if the driver lineup of last year continued, so Nico Rosberg, mm-hmm. the reigning champion, still appeared, I think it would have been the same result. I think Hamilton still would have been second, Rosberg mm-hmm. third. And yep. then everyone would be saying, oh, Rosberg, not worthy champion. <laughs> Finished behind Hamilton. Mm-hmm. May as well just scratch the name off his trophy. <laughs> put Hamilton on there. The Sky Sports F1 special. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, it would have been the same story, to be honest. So Bottas, it was funny. Bottas did the bare minimum, I think. Mm-hmm. But he hardly set the world on fire. No, but that's true. The real, I mean, if he's going to win a race, he has to do it this year. Yeah, doesn't win a race, then that obviously the Mercedes will be very vindicated in only signing him for for one more year, and then yeah, the yeah. merry-go-round in terms of driver lineups will be very interesting, mm-hmm. especially with how Sebastian Vettel feels about Ferrari. Yeah, at the end of um at the end of the year. So, um, yeah, I, I mean the jury is still out on Bottas. There's no denying the guy's mm-hmm. capable. Yeah, I mean, he's he's spent a few. Years, he's a seasoned Formula One driver now. Yeah, that's true. But he's not. Team leadership material. I think it would have been very interesting if he stayed at Williams, how that team would have gone on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with Felipe Massa returning mm-hmm. without not without leaving in the first place. <laughs> it's a complicated one, I know. <laughs> but uh, for, for Williams, it's, it's great that they have someone as senior as Felipe aboard mm-hmm. that team. I'm not sure... If it was a Bottas stroller combination, he would be able to carry that team because he's now he's right, very yeah. much at Mercedes. He's, he's obviously number two mm-hmm. in that squad just based on yeah. the results. No race wins, no championship uh, results. How many times has Bottas been on the podium before in F1? I really struggle to Maybe think if he has or times. hasn't. Yeah, Maybe best, three times. Mostly in Canada. <laughs> it's always on the, on yeah. the podium in Canada. So, so for Bottas, this is a very important year to really raise mm. his stocks and he wants to stay at Mercedes, he's got to go higher than third at some point this season. Now, just before we consider the tyres for this race, because that could have massive implications for the rest of the season, judging by just how well they stood up to every single car out there, except for maybe Lewis Hamilton's, I do want to talk about Daniel Ricciardo. It was his home Grand Prix, uh, and he couldn't have really hoped for a worse a worse one, mm. I think. Not only did he have problems in qualifying where he crashed with the the way these new cars operate, mm. but he retired not once, but twice officially from the Grand Prix. I don't know who the person is, but if whoever has that Kevorka doll of an Australian <laughs> Formula One driver, so take the pins out because yeah. it's 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 a it's a travesty now. It's just it's, cruel. Since the Australian Grand Prix became an official World Championship round, I know Sebastian Vettel was fighting at this point mm. at a press conference <laughs> the other week, but uh, since nineteen eighty five. Mm-hmm. Not one Australian 
has won the Australian Grand Prix or, mm-hmm. or even been on the podium. Yeah. Officially. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, <laughs> Ricardo did, record, but yeah. it doesn't. Not yeah, in the record books. Don't talk about that. We don't talk about that one. Um, but yeah, but uh, such a such a shame, and mm-hmm. it's such a. I mean, for for Dan, he he, he was very flat afterwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was still smiling, and he's. I saw him after the race, and he was signing autographs and mm-hmm. posing for photos with her. And the crowd absolutely love him. I mean, he could do no wrong, the, yeah. despite the fact that he he didn't finish. He barely started the race. Mm-hmm. People still love him because he, he is just who he is, and, yeah. and that's why Australia will love him forever if he keeps on carrying on the way he is. But. Um, Australia sorely needs an Australian to win. I mean, th- this year could have happened. I mean, to be honest, even if Ricardo's car was fine, mm-hmm. fourth would have been the best result Ricardo yeah. could have possibly have hoped for because the Red Bull car was just, quite frankly, wasn't there. Verstappen could only manage what fifth or sixth. Mm, couldn't even get really up to no. uh, Raikkonen by no. the end of the race. No. Um, I do want to say though here he had uh, what was it a failure on the formation lap or the outlap from the pits even um, which seemed like maybe a gearbox or a power unit sensor problem I think they mm. said it was at the end and then sort of halfway through the race they got him out two laps down uh, and they sent him around A to gather data but B the safety car incidents at the Australian Grand Prix is quite high I think it's something like 80% Yes. so they were kind of gambling there strategically on the idea that well if a safety car comes out well, the unlapping rules still exist. Ricardo will find himself on the lead lap. And then depending on when it comes out, if he'd done an ambitious two-stop, maybe he could have made up some positions and scored some points. So there was reason to send him out. But yeah. then unfortunately, halfway through the race, another power unit failure. And maybe we are seeing a couple of these niggles with, with Renault again this year. Yeah, and it's a brand new power unit for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, so that, that'll be, let, let's see how the second, the, the remarriage, mm-hmm. <laughs> since they renewed their vows, <laughs> uh, the Red Bull Technology Company, yeah. And, and Renault will will go this time, and of course, reunite with Toro also mm-hmm. as well. So, um, yeah, it, it, I, th- I think Australia will be will be forgiven for that one. But I think if there are any more niggles with the power unit failure, and Red Bull mm-hmm. keep calling out Renault yeah. about this thing, watch well, watch that relationship deteriorate. But then again, what what other option do you really have, Red Bull? Honda. Wait, what? No. <laughs> uh, now let's talk briefly about the Pirelli tires as well. They brought the three softest compounds: the ultra soft, the super soft, and the soft. I don't know why you have three different types of soft, but we do. Uh, the ultra soft lasted. They say that had a had you intended to, you could have really done three quarters of the race on the ultra soft. The longest stint in the end was thirty four laps, which is exactly half, or slightly more than half, given we had one lap down uh, in Australia, uh, and that was on none other than Daniel Fiat's car. Fiat actually looked pretty good yesterday. He probably could have beaten Science after a, a good start had he not had to make a, a, an emergency last pit to top up his engine with air. Something wrong with the pneumatic system. <laughs> Classic Fiat luck, but. The question remains, if that's the ultra soft on a track that, whilst isn't particularly hard on tyres, is no is by no means the softest on tyres, yeah. uh, do we not have tyres that are probably too hard here? I mean, that's the ultra soft we're talking yeah. about. Well, again, this is another philosophical debate mm-hmm. with Formula 1. Do we do we have the high degradation tyres so we can have every Grand Prix like the 2008 Canadian Grand Prix? Mm-hmm. Or, do we, or do we want tyres where drivers can spend all day on the one set of tyres mm-hmm. and push as hard as they want? So this is... Yeah, so so we've got what we have what we've asked yeah, for. The exactly drivers have right. wanted tires that'll mm-hmm. that'll last all day, mm-hmm. um, and now and now it's up to them to 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 chuck in the laps that that really count. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it, why would you bother running the soft if the ultra soft <laughs> was thirty eight? It was only yeah. a fifty seven lap race. Yeah, yeah, with with the extra formation lap. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
it's, yeah, that, that, that'll be interesting um, for, for some of the other Grand Prix later on, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I think what could be potentially very interesting is the Ultrasoft at a place like Monaco, where tie wear is very low. Mm. You could do the whole race on a set of Ultrasoft. I mean, of course, it's going to be one lap race. But then maybe, on the other hand, it means they're going to go extremely quickly around Monaco because mm. the tyre just is not wearing out. I think it is interesting for Pirelli. I think it's sad for Pirelli because no matter what they do, someone's criticising them and all they're doing is what they're told. And even now, when we've got tyres that can push, clearly the Ultrasoft can do 34 laps and... Sebastian Vettel, I think, said on the podium, you know, oh, it's great, I can just push and the car keeps wanting more. Yeah. On the other hand, if you don't win a Grand Prix and you're Lewis Hamilton or your Mercedes, you say, well, the tyres are not any different to last year. They're just as sensitive and I can't push on them. And it's like, well, yeah. someone here's got to be wrong. Who's it going to be? be well, quite frankly, it'd be the teams because it mm. depends on how your car is designed to, to, to yeah. push the downforce. Mm-hmm. And, and then, but obviously the tyres have got to cope with all that stuff. So... Mm. If anyone dare blames Pirelli and Paul Hembury's crew, mm-hmm. they'll have to come answering to me. <laughs> quite frankly, it's a, a, a workman never blames his tools. Mm, yeah, I'll it's say. A, so I think the tires are fine. It's mm-hmm. going to be the car that's uh, yeah. the issue. Interesting to note that Mercedes obviously had some suspension legality issues over the uh, preseason. They weren't upside down like McLaren a few years ago, were they? No, they they weren't actually. They were just plain regular illegal, not just, well, let's say stupid illegal. But uh, yeah, so maybe that contributes all 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 to that, that the tyre wear Mercedes is experiencing. So we'll have to wait and see what that does. All I know is that the the durability of the tyres might promote uh, what's being called the overcut, which is the opposite of the undercut. Essentially what Sebastian Vettel did in this race, which was run a little bit longer than Lewis Hamilton did because the tyres still last fine. If you can extract a little bit of li- more life from your tyre, there's not that much advantage stopping early. Uh, so maybe strategy will be kind of literally turned on its head this year, if there's any strategy at all with such durable tyres. Yeah, because we don't have fuel stops anymore, so mm. there's really no reason to, to pit anymore, apart from the fact that you have to swap over a set of tyres anyway to a different compound. Yeah. That's so you've got to do. The, 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 it's almost, you know, de-incentivised de- the two-stop or three-stop <laughs> strategy. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be amazed if anyone else does more than more mm. than one pit stop throughout the season. Well, they reckon it's going to be everything is one stop fewer than last year. So there, And there weren't that many three-stop races I can remember last year. Most were two stops. Mm. So, yeah, most races, I guess, this season will be back to one stop. Maybe there's going to be a rule. Uh, co- mm. Competition pit stops. Yeah, mandatory pit stops. And then we can have mandatory safety cars in every race. Yes. Caution period. Competition caution. Yeah, wow. Man, that's a brave new world for Formula <laughs> 1. Welcome to the Liberty Media version of Formula 1. I don't know. Who knows? It was an Australian Grand Prix, though. We did have a race. It was a good race. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Gave us a bit of a teaser to what could be an enormous championship challenge this season between the giants that are Ferrari and Mercedes. I can't wait to see how it's going to unfold. Thank you so much, Rob James, for sharing the Grand Prix with me. Always a pleasure. That's all the time we have for this week's edition of the Strategy Report. And don't forget, you can go to f1strategyreport.com to download all of our podcasts from last season, subscribe to this season's podcast, and read the full written report by Jack Leslie. The Strategy Report is powered by Apex Race Manager, and there's a new version you can download for all of your mobile devices on the iOS or Android store. My name's Michael Laminato. You can find me at Michael Laminato on Twitter. And be sure to join me in two weeks' time when we look back at the strategy from the Chinese Grand Prix.